Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light It Up. I am your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. I'm excited about this week's episode because I have a very special guest. We are going to talk about um, a number of things this week. Um, but my guest is Candace Young. And Candace and I go back, I don't know how many years we go back. Maybe eight, nine? seven or eight, seven or eight, however long. Yes. Okay. And marriage. It's a marriage involved right. there. <laughs> yeah. Neither one of us are married. <laughs> start there. Right. Let's start there. Um, but we do have a mutual friend and we were both in our friend's wedding probably five years ago. About that sounds about right. That sounds about right. But it also, we also have something else in common uh, because Candace graduated from my alma mater, UIC, the University of Illinois at Chicago. Um, but the reason why I have Candace on today is because she uh, was diagnosed with MS several years ago. And oftentimes I don't really talk about um, uh, health issues on a podcast. I have done episodes on breast cancer um, and it's not because I don't want to, but sometimes, you know, the opportunities don't present itself. Um, but Candace is someone who I would have never known um, was diagnosed from MS. And we've had an opportunity to get to know each other over the years. And despite her diagnosis, she is a phenomenal mom to a four-year-old daughter um, who probably should be 14 like mine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's exhausting. My heart. Yes. And, um, and in addition to that, of course, you know, Candace is involved in some other um, professional aspects of life that we're going to, you know, talk about. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to give Candace an opportunity to come on to light it up just to um, share her journey uh, with us because I want people to know that, you know, a diagnosis does not have to be the end of, you know, your day to day life and Absolutely. Candace, who has this beautiful, amazing smile. Oh my also, God. Also has a blog. And it's what's behind my smile, right? That is correct. It's I have not updated in quite some time, but it is uh, what's behind my smile.wordpress.com. Okay. And that's all about uh, the beginning of my MS journey uh, from my first episode, uh, seven years prior to being diagnosed. And then when I was diagnosed and immediately after, and then I had my daughter and I haven't really kept up with it too much. Just yeah. haven't had time. I know you're a busy mom. So, yes. <laughs> and, and, and the folks who listen to this podcast and watch this podcast are also busy moms as well. So everyone can relate. So what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to kind of talk about, um, just give us a little bit of your background. And if you could um, share with us 
um, because I've, I've talked to you before. So I do know the story of um, when you were diagnosed uh, with MS. But if you don't mind just sharing with the audience a little bit about your background and then kind of share with us, um, you know, when you were actually diagnosed with MS. Certainly, certainly. Um, so my background, as you mentioned, um, I graduated from UIC. I began as a non-traditional student. So I started uh, working full-time. I was working in the loop. My first job was uh, with Deloitte and Touche before a third party. And uh, I worked there for seven years and I was going to school at night. And um, while I was working there, um, and do we care, I, my age, do we care? Uh, I don't know, you're younger than me. <laughs> well, I have a birthday coming up next year, next week, next year, oh my God, next week. So I'll be 39. And um, when did this first happen? Let's say, uh, oh my God. I graduated in 2000, so 2001, 2002, um, I'm just hustling bustle every day, you know, in this rat race running downtown, and I'm thinking, this is the life, you know what I mean, and I have this plan, and I want to one day climb this corporate ladder and do all these things, and um, one morning, I woke up, and I, you know how it feels when you just sleep funny on your arm, your arm is asleep, yeah. and that's exactly how it felt. And uh, I jumped in the shower, went to work, you know, and the funny thing was, you know, normally your arm wakes up in about 10 minutes right. and I noticed an hour had passed and it didn't happen. So I'm at work and I, you know, continue on with my work day. And one of my coworkers, uh, I got up to go to the ladies room and one of my coworkers, she said, you know, Candace, you're limping. And um, I didn't even notice it. So the numbness had moved uh, downward from my arm to my leg. Mm -hmm. and uh I kind of panicked you know and um what did I do what do most people do when you know you're not sure what to do I called my mom yeah. you know <laughs> I called my mom and uh I still uh I'm from LaGrange so I was still you know commuting back and forth at the time and so I didn't know what was wrong so I didn't want to go to a local hospital but something made me I went to the metro and got on the train and went home and uh long story short um went to LaGrange Memorial. They admitted me. I was in the hospital for about a week, but they ran several tests. I had about five or six different specialists. They thought it was anything and everything. They tested me for uh, a stroke, sarcoidosis, um, meningitis, uh, and a couple other things that I can't remember right now. They gave me a spinal test, things that actually became the result of it was more than, you know, it gave me headaches and migraines. Uh, long story short, I was in the hospital about a week. They never diagnosed me. Mm -hmm. They, they claimed that I was just stressed out, um, probably from working full-time and going to school full-time. So they said, you have to choose one or the other, you know, you can't go back to both. So what I did was I took a couple months off from work, but I kept going with school mm -hmm. and, um, it took me about six months to get my feeling back, meaning the numbness to subside on my entire left side. And then how did, how, did, how did they treat that? Let me go back to, um, usually when things like that happen, they, of course, they're, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to diagnose it. So they're guessing. So steroids, um, different type of steroids to reduce inflammation, things like that. Um, some awful ones, one that, uh, that I know they've actually, we'll get to COVID later, but mm -hmm. some of the things that they talk about post COVID are so neurological 
And I'm familiar with some of the medications that they named because when they were trying to figure out what's wrong, you know, they're troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. And so, um, seven years go by, you know, um, the odd thing was, Adina, let me, and I talk, I, I'm, I'm going to try and stay straight because I, I apologize you all. I skip a lot of subjects when I talk. I go a lot of different directions. But um, I had started falling a lot, you know, and uh, when I would go out, you know, to clubs with my girlfriends and I was thinking, I, you know, I used to play all different sports in high school, you know, basketball, softball, bad. I was on the badminton team, whatever. <laughs> um, but I started falling every time I went out and I, I kept thinking it was the heels, you know. Mm-hmm. And friends just thought I was drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't even like drinking. You know, I actually hardly drink anymore. But um, turns out that was related. Mm-hmm. And my ankle rolled so many times that I even felt at graduation at UIC before I went onto the stage. You know, yeah. they, have, they have a ramp that goes down, you know, before right. I went up there, fell again. And I had, I had fallen so much in one month, this final time, you know. So uh, things started getting tough for me, um, trying to finish school. You know, I still wasn't diagnosed, but I was feeling overwhelmed, you know? And when you go part-time, it takes a little longer, you know what I mean? So now I'm a five-year senior, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened? I decided to leave ComEd, I mean, leave Deloitte, and I went to ComEd mm-hmm. because they had part-time positions. So I went into their call center. And I was like, this will be great, 32 hours a week. But the um, the schedules are, your off days are always consecutive. So everyone knows no college has classes that are two days in a row. You know, it's Monday, Wednesdays or Tuesday, Thursdays. So now I've left a comfort zone, you know, working for this small logistics company. And my boss was phenomenal. You know, uh, the company, everyone at Deloitte also was phenomenal. I mean, people that care, you know, cards, letters, they even like created a fund for me. They were just really nice. Mm-hmm. So now I'm at ComEd and I'm excited because it was very important for me to finish. I just wanted to finish school. I wasn't sure why I'm a marketing major. Um, I don't love marketing, but I've learned to appreciate my degree. Um, I realize there's so many things that people think that they can do themselves. Mm-hmm. And to me, what I think is second nature, I realize it's because of that background. It's not really, you know? Yeah. And so I'm there. I realized that they're never, I'm never going to get a schedule to finish school, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm from a family where I feel that I was the first, not feel, I was the first uh, gra- graduate of a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. but my family's from uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and they're just, they're hardworking people. My grandparents, you know, Mm-hmm. came here 50s or 60s built a home but they are not about education so much they're about get a good job and keep it you know mm-hmm. my grandmother retired from Cook County my grandfather retired from General Motors so they're like ComEd who quits ComEd and I'm thinking but I just want to finish school and no one understood yeah. okay so long story short fast forward I go to ComEd I can't get a schedule I stay there about seven months and I quit the director, an African-American lady. Um, I wanted, I went there because I wanted to work in their marketing department mm-hmm. and I interviewed with their marketing department because I'm doing everything marketing. I'm, I'm doing gigs on the side of the road, dressing up in, you know, costumes because that's ground level marketing, you know, and I want to work in corporate marketing. So I'm doing all these steps and she would not release me. 
She said, we hired her, we trained her, we need her. So no. So I was so sad. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, I left my comfort. This boss I had for seven years, he he hired a friend of mine just so that I could leave early to attend school in the evening for three hours in the evening, you know? Mm-hmm. And so long story short, left that job. We're going to fast forward. I graduate. I finally graduate. But in my last year, um, I started having a very hard time and I didn't know why. Um, part of the reason, and tell me if I'm going too fast, tell me if you need me to slow down. Yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. And so, um, because I, I just, I had already moved from home. So I had my own place and I'm at ComEd now. And, uh, but I want to quit cause I want to finish school. How am I going to pay my rent? Right. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, my grandmother was a godsend, you know, she was an older woman that was very responsible about business and money, you know, a one credit. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm like, I'm crying like, really, I can't, you know, how am I going to pay my rent? What am I going to do? And I've been working since I was 15. Mm-hmm. So she knows I'm a hard worker. She knows I'll get a job again, you know, and I needed her to sign, um, another loan for me, literally to cover my rent. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And she read it over and she said, you know, Candy, I can't do this. You know, my family calls me Candy. Mm-hmm. And she said, I can't do this. Um, if for some reason, you know, they'll take my home, you know, older grandma, you know, she's like, I can't. And so she tried to figure out what to do. And she realized that um, she could take another avenue with her A1 credit. And she made it happen for me. And she basically loaned me, she handed me $10,000 to cover my rent for a year, you know, mm-hmm. And so I went back to school and I went back to school. I didn't stop going to school. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, what did I do? Oh my God, Gina, I took 42 credit hours in one year trying to finish because I'm. T- I, it was ridiculous. 42. How do you even do that? <laughs> it's ridiculous. How do you take 42 credit hours in a year? 22 fall semester. I mean, I get it. 20. It's, it was, it made no sense, but I knew that I had only a year of rent you get what I mean right I knew I needed to start back working and I knew I couldn't let my grandmother down you know I was also raised that never burn bridges yeah. you got one person in your corner and one go-to you get what I mean that's yeah you, you do right with them so um I started noticing a difference because some of my harder courses say for example um calculus uh um finance Mm-hmm. certain things. Um, I had a very close friend that I would study with all the time. And we actually started a business, a consulting company when we graduated together, mm-hmm. but he and I would study together, um, Reggie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we would study finance and I would be showing him how to do the problem. So he, he also knew I knew what I was doing, but when we would get into the class for the test blank, something was changing. I would be sitting there in a panic and I could not you know, I just couldn't finish. And um, I started writing and I would get through all the problems, but I never flipped the back over where the actual data was. I don't know what I was, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went and I started meeting with my professors and I started going for all this extra help, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I don't, do you remember Mary Brown? I don't. She was an African-American finance professor. She was maybe, um, she was older. She was about 85. She was in oh. it, okay. <laughs> and, uh, but she- she was there for a long time. That's why I asked. So she, she was, but she was in and out because she had, um, uh, illness that kept her, she had maybe polio. 
Okay. And so I went to meet with her because I'm pleading. I'm trying to explain to them. I have to graduate. I have to finish, you know, and I tell her what's going on, you know, but I don't know what's related to MS because remember, I'm not diagnosed. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, Miss Brown, you know, I have I have 24 hours this quarter, you know, and I just have to. She's like, why would you do that? You know, what, what is wrong? Why would you do that? And then she started asking questions. Do you have ADD? I said, I don't think so. I've never been tested for it. She's like, huh, do your parents? I said, I don't think so. I don't know, you know? And I'm like, but whatever it is, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Like, and I'm explaining to her and I'm doing the extra time, but things started not connecting. And that's the cognitive part. You know, your cognition is affected. There's so many things that go with multiple sclerosis that people don't realize. It's, um, you know, and some of you, I, you all don't know, I walk with a cane and that wasn't something that started at the beginning. That's something right. that progressed. Right. And um, that actually happened right before the wedding we were in together. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm going to try not to get teary eyed because there's pictures from the wedding that just felt so supportive and so you were so, so gorgeous with that cane you know no and I just appreciate it because I was so embarrassed and you know when you have to learn how to use something you've never had you know I was so I was oh and then it was our mutual friend Leslie I didn't want her I didn't, you don't want to mess up someone's wedding day you know and they planned it for two years you know and we've been planning things for her for two years you know yeah. and that episode literally happened two two weeks before her wedding, maybe three. And uh, to date, it's the worst episode I've ever had. But before I get to that, um, so go back. I, I plead with them. I do my classes. My grades did get affected. They My grades suffered. I still graduated. I still finished. But um, I just didn't know what happened. I couldn't keep up. I couldn't manage. It was just... And the course load could have something to do with it, to be honest, you know, in fairness, but it was a lot. So does, okay. So with MS, are the symptoms, I mean, because everyone, MS affects people differently, obviously, right? Does stress trigger something to cause? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So what I learned is, you know, when we see things on TV or memes and people talk about stress kills, mm -hmm. people don't really understand how deep that is. You know, people joke about it, but with MS, and you did state this, every person with M no two people with MS have the same symptoms, mm -hmm. uh, diagnosis, no two people are the same. So I know uh, others that um, still wear four inch heels with no problem. I know some people with MS that still run marathons, you know? Um, I know some people that are further progressed than me. You know, they may be in a, excuse me, a wheelchair, a, mobile, uh, a motorized scooter. I actually have a scooter now um, that I use quite often. When I go out, I call it my, my Bentley. Um, <laughs> it's pretty fancy. It's nicer than some of them, but um, I, I find, I have to find the humor in things, but um, I've met so many people since being diagnosed and uh, optic neuritis is a big thing too, where some people lose their vision mm -hmm. and uh, some people, it only affects your extremities, you know, mm -hmm. some people may get headaches. Uh, it's so, it's one of those things where you, you just wouldn't know, you know, you're gonna think it's something else. Yeah. And here's the other thing you also, can't just look at someone and know 
that they have MS. Because it's completely invisible. Right. Um, and right. there's so many invisible illnesses that people don't know about. And I have become, because this is now my life, mm-hmm. I am an, I'm an advocate for disabled people and I'm an advocate for seniors because at times I move like a senior very often. So um, there's something I learned at ComEd called a coachable moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how you would get kind of reprimanded. Do you know what I mean? It's a learning moment. So with MS, I've learned to give people coachable moments, you know? Because, oh my gosh, people are so, I don't want to say they're ignorant. When we don't know something, we're ignorant. Right. So if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, oh my God, why do you have that cane? What happened to your leg? You look so young or, you know, um, just people say things and they never expect your reaction. Mm-hmm. And when I say, I share things like, why well, I have a mess and like, they, they, oh my God, talk about depressed in their face. They're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I, and I have to stop them like, no, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, cause at first when people would do that, it would bring me to tears, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it is something to literally be okay one day, you know? Mm-hmm. I am a person that used to work out every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I, when this first happened to me and I was in a relationship, me and my significant other, he worked at Deloitte also, and we worked out every day together, you know? And when you wake up, it's, it's literally becoming handicapped the next day. Mm-hmm. And so when people are born a certain way, that's all they know. Yeah. But when you've had an entire life and you're an active person, it's the mental toll for MS and other chronic illnesses is something that people don't realize. That's, that's one of the deepest, the deeper things, you know, that can affect you. And um, yeah, it. Uh, so let me, and let me press you on that as far as the mental toll of um, having been diagnosed with MS. How do you get through that? Um, are there sure. support groups? Do you talk and interact with other people who have been diagnosed with MS? Yes. What, yeah. Okay. So now I do. Um, but to be honest, it took me 10 years uh, because I was officially diagnosed in 2011. And so this is the 10th year this year. Um, and it's that's a whole separate story, but it took me 10 years to, so maybe not 10 because I've been doing it for the last, no, when I say it took me 10 years, um, I, did, I wasn't diagnosed yet, mm-hmm. but it took me eight to 10 years to not cry when I talked about MS, to not. If you ask me a question, I'm gonna answer you, but I can hardly get the answer out because to say, people don't realize to say, I have MS or I have cancer. People can't get those words out. You know, even now you hear me sounding weird and I'm, oh, I'm not like that. I'm over it, but it does something to your nerves. And when you, when you said about stress and how it affects people, people with MS, when I'm stressed out, it shows up in my body. Mm -hmm. I.e. I am going to be, if I'm really stressed out, I'm more fatigued. I can't get out of bed. You know, it's not what people understand tired to be. Fatigue is different from being tired. Mm -hmm. I can sleep all night, eight hours and still wake up and be exhausted. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, uh, just my normal daily routine, getting dressed. 
I have to take breaks in between to not, like I've learned you have to, life is about conserving your energy, you yeah. know? And I say, I recommend that to people that don't have a health issue or health illness. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, make your life easier. Mm -hmm. Do things in an order that makes sense. You know what I mean? Don't, don't run yourself in the ground. So my weakest side is my left. Okay. So if, if I have a stressful, if, if something happens, it may not show up that day, but that next morning, I'm going to feel the effects or that evening, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, what happens is your weakest point gets stressed. So your yeah. weakest point gets weak again. Right. Right. You get what I mean? Yeah. And that, and that is with, um, as you're talking about stress, <laughs> I am thinking about, um, so I've been seeing a chiropractor, totally not the same thing, but I've been seeing a chiropractor for the I started last year and then switched over. I'm seeing another one because my son actually asked to see a chiropractor. So now we're going together. But it's similar if you're going for things with your spine. And that's what I was just about to say. It's very so, similar. Yes, because I was sharing with, there are times when I get up, I, I feel like, like I'm in pain. I can barely move. I'm kind of like humped over, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when I go in for the adjustment, all of my stress is actually here. Mm -hmm. So I was asking the chiropractor, I'm like, well, why do I feel all of this tension here? She was like, that's the weakest part of your body. Right. And, and it's because, so I, I work at a desk, you know, I sit at a desk all day and she's like, your posture so really I should be repositioning myself right now I, I know I'm looking at myself here and I'm like I'm, I under yes. so when you think it's similar when people go to a chiropractor because what people don't realize about MS and I don't know how um informed your guests are about MS but it is a uh basically when you think about a phone charger you know and when your cable frays at the end and you know when it starts sticking up yeah. think about your nerve ending right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is we lose the protective coating around the nerve. Okay. That's called the myelin sheath. Mm -hmm. So when you lose that coating, it disrupts those signals that pass through your nerves. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, how our spine is aligned, mm -hmm. all the signals from our brain send messages to those nerve endings throughout your spine, which tells your body how to move. Mm -hmm. so if I'm walking funny there's there's a disconnect mm -hmm. in that connection you okay. know when when things get and I'm not a medical professional this is just my what I've learned over the years um what I've researched mm -hmm. um a lot of reading mm -hmm. uh you know and so when those signals don't connect that's when you see people that maybe can't move their arm the same mm -hmm. or they can't you get what I mean things okay. stop and uh when some people will, let me go back. I have, and you said background and I skipped this part. So the type of MS I have is RRMS. It is relapsing remitting. Okay. So I initially was upset that I had that many specialists the first time and no one diagnosed me. And I wanted to ask you about that. I was going to go back and press you on that because the, the specialists, they ran all of these tests and no one knew that it was MS. So when I find out later, I'm thinking I could have been on medication. This is seven years later. Right. What I learned is until you have a second episode, think about the name relapsing, remitting. Mm -hmm. You didn't relapse. 
and it's not remitting, you know? But what's odd is I do know people, I've met so many people, let me say this, and I, and you said, am I in a support group? Once I got over um, feeling bad for myself, you know, and I realized life goes on. And even when I was feeling bad, I still stayed with my plan. I still completed my goals in any way because I have, I have friends that'll say, you know, you're stronger than me or you're, and I said, no, it has nothing to do with that. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Just stop lifting? What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, It becomes a part of your life. And I remember a few years ago, I connected you with, I do have a friend who was diagnosed with MS. She's not as vocal about it. Sure. You know? And I know that, you know, people handle things differently and some people may be more willing, you know, to talk about it and share and educate others. And for other people, it may be a challenge. Like you said yourself that it took you eight to 10 years to be able to talk about it without crying. Absolutely. So I recognize and respect that, hey, you've got to meet everyone where they are and you yes. have to give people the space to kind of, you know, get to a place where they will feel comfortable. Absolutely. But you know what I, you know what I learned, Gina, the more I started talking about it, when I started blogging, mm-hmm. it was a different type of therapy for me, you know? I, I started real, I can, so what did I do? I connected with, um, there's a social media page that's similar to Facebook, but it's for people with MS and it's called my MS team. And I recommend that for anyone, even if you're not diagnosed, but you have a scare or you think, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you connect with people like you and you hear them talking about things that are similar to what you go through, mm-hmm. um, you will feel differently about what you're go what you're going through because you start realizing I'm not alone. Oh, they experience that too. Oh, the bottom of their foot tingles too. Oh, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And um, very very encouraging. You get what I mean. Yeah. You realize MS is one of the biggest secret societies mm-hmm. that you just don't know. There's people that I've known my whole life that I didn't even know they had MS. There's friends that. I, one of my uh, guy friends, his grandmother had it our whole life. I never knew that. I just knew she walked with a walker. I thought it was because she was older. I would have never known that, you know, it's stuff like that. And, um, so it's that my MS team is a good one. Um, Mm -hmm. and then there's several different support groups on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, I am in a couple and then there are ones based off the therapy that you're in. So if you're taking beta serum, they have that. And I've tried that before. I hated it. Beta Saren um, is a, basically it's an injection and you have to, but I wanted to give you all the clinical name or term for it, but I can't even think about it right now, but it's an injection you give yourself uh, every other day. And that was the worst thing that I've ever experienced because I, um, on my blog, uh, there's a post and I call it Jimmy mm-hmm. and people are like, why Jimmy? And I said, because I think of Jimi Hendrix, um, you yeah. know, cause I, that's kind of me. And I, and people like Jimi Hendrix. And I said, and this may sound mean, I love Jimi Hendrix, but it made me feel like I was using drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Injecting yourself and you've never had to do that. Uh, I hated it. And um, it left bruises on me, you know, and, you know, I'm a little fair. So it, the bruises last long, you know, yeah. so I'm, it's embarrassing. Now it's summer and you inject in your thighs or wherever the fat is, you know what I mean? So you're going to see, so I'm thinking, do people think I, like I'm in an abusive relationship? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so many things that 
how do you hide? What do you do? You get what I mean? And at, right. at that time, I wasn't walking with a limp, but now I have bruises. I have marks, you know? And um, Beta Saren, then I switched to one called Tecfidera. Tecfidera mm-hmm. was phenomenal. It's a, a oral pill that you took twice a day, but for some people, it disrupts their stomach. Okay. They have, I had no problems with that, except for the fact that I wasn't compliant enough. I was more compliant with that than with beta sarin, but still not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me say this: some people they believe in natural healing and natural remedies, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not against that, but ooh, how do I say this? Because it took seven years for this exact same feeling, this numbness to come back. It was my 29th birthday because it took seven years. To me, people may mistake being um, <clears throat> healed or something going away, but I didn't know something went away because nobody told me what it was. Remember, they said it was right. stress. Exactly. So, yeah. so when people say, have you ever tried a natural or a holistic therapy and teach its own? I'm not against anyone. You know, there's a lot of things you should do. I change the diet. You know, um, certain things that I just haven't been able to do. Uh, I, I love bacon. So, okay. Bacon. Pork, <laughs> pork I do. And pork is not good for people with MS. It's something, it's about the fat. You it's need to try fat. turkey bacon. Mm, my dad does that. Mm-mm. I like, you know, you know, what? My, my grandmother died at 92. And you know what she told me? That she ate pork every day of her life. That the swine ain't did nothing to me. It didn't do nothing to her. And and I occasionally at once a month I like a fried pork chop. Don't give me a baked pork chop. I don't want it to be healthy. I want it fried. I want to take you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, sugars, refined sugars. Mm-hmm. Sh- these are the things that trigger mm-hmm. uh, episodes with the mess. You know. Does that? So uh, here's my question. Does that trigger everyone or just, I mean, because everyone. I know we talked about, okay. I know everyone. we talked about that MS affects people, so differently, but that is a trigger for everyone. Your episode, your, um, when I say it affects you differently, your movement, whatever part of your body is going to be different. Okay. But the things that can trigger the response, I think are similar. Gotcha. You know? Okay. And so diet, uh, exercise, exercise is so important. Um, gosh, I can't even. I can't even explain how important and I'm not doing enough of it. You know, I have stretch bands. I was talking about, I need to get a bike because I keep a gym membership, but the world was closed. So where am I going to take my daughter when I go to the gym? You know, kids places aren't open, but what I'm learning is the more people, I don't say people with MS, but in my situation with MS, well, go back. MS is debilitating. Mm -hmm. It is chronic. It's not terminal, you know? So, um, when you hear that people pass and they had a mess, it, it's related to the complications with it, but not the illness itself. Um, so working out where other people are working out to gain strength and build things, I am working against time to not lose Mm -hmm. basic functions, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. When I say I've been through some stuff, you know, I've been through some stuff, even, even employment situations, there's so many things that come with 
illness uh, that people don't understand about your rights and what to disclose and what to not disclose and how to protect yourself and how to protect your income, you know? And at that time, you didn't know what the illness was because you hadn't had an episode. So you couldn't request certain accommodations on your I didn't know what to request I didn't know yeah I didn't know what to tell I didn't know who to talk to so Mm -hmm. let me I'll try to stay in order so graduated all of that fine the crazy thing about my grandmother not selling that signing that loan um when I finally graduated it was 08 and you know what happened in 08 yes we had a recession that's right and a person that's always got it I had no problem ever finding a job but guess what so she was right. Mm-hmm. And, and if she had signed that, that would have put her in a bad situation, you, yeah. you know, yeah. and she would have been stuck paying alone, whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, that happens. And I didn't start working right away. Um, my next position after graduation, I became uh, an assistant director of admissions with the Art Institute, mm-hmm. uh, Art Institute of Illinois, the culinary program. Okay. And so I'm working there and then I decide I go to Vegas for my 29th birthday with two of my girlfriends that I met at Comet. We mm-hmm. became very close friends. So we're down there and we're on our way. And um, remember, I've been okay for at least the last five years. I haven't felt weird. I felt fine. My normal life has continued, you know, and um, and be- during that time, I had a heartbreak, you know, um, I had dated the same person three and a half years Mm -hmm. and uh, naturally you're going to feel like it's related to your health. Naturally, you're going to feel like you're different, you know, Um, the physical effects of going through an illness. So there's something that um, not just people with the mess get, but steroids gives you something called moon face Mm -hmm. and it makes your whole face puff up. Mm-hmm. real round you know what I mean mm-hmm. and just so many things that make you sad you get what I mean just yeah. sad sad I'm just sad you know mm-hmm. and um so that happened or whatever which meant I I looked at dating differently after that because now am I going to be ashamed of this being me you know and it's are people going to accept me for me right. so I'm in Vegas I go with these two girlfriends we're super close he's like my two of my best girlfriends now and um we're walking through the airport and randomly enough, my handbag kept falling out of my hand, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was something that had never happened to me. And I didn't even know, you know, it's weird. You're carrying a handbag in your hand. Like it was a top handle bag. So I'm just holding it. Mm -hmm. And I dropped it probably four or five times. That was the first weird thing. And they, they were like, friend, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know? And so I'm, I'm, about to be 29 I'm 28 or whatever I don't even know gosh I don't even my mind in my short term mm-hmm. and um we go to a club and uh, I was never a big drinker but I could drink at least two to three drinks and be okay right because mm-hmm. I talk so much you know when you talk this much you're you're thirsty and you forget your you know right and I had one glass of champagne and the next thing I knew I fell asleep at the table in this club and they nudged me and they woke me and they're like are you okay and I'm like I'm fine you know so I didn't, maybe they're like, maybe she's just tired. What do you do after you leave a club? You go to a restaurant, you go eat, you know? Right. So we're at some fast food place, we're ordering food and I'm sitting at the table and now I fall asleep at the table, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is three in the morning and I just keep falling asleep. And then the very next morning I wake up in my hotel room 
And like night and day, Gina, my entire left arm went numb again. Wow. And, but now I'm in Vegas, right? And did you think back to those years prior to when that had happened? Absolutely, because it felt the same. But think about this. They never told me what was wrong. Right. So I'm thinking, I'm not stressed out. I'm not. And so um, when me and these, this group of girls, because I had different sets of girlfriends, you know, that I would travel with, like a lot of us do. Yeah. These particular young ladies, we would always get our own room, right? Mm -hmm. So I wake up in my own room. So they don't know that I'm kind of freaking out yet you know, and when we're ready to meet for breakfast or whatever, you know, I just kind of mentioned to him, I'm just like, something's different. Something's not right. You know, and I'm like, something's not right. And uh, we go see a psychic and I'm a very spiritual person. Um, I was raised, you know, I was raised Baptist. Mm -hmm. And then as an adult, I attended a non-denominational church. So a lot of people are against psychics, you know, they don't, they believe that that vision is not from God, it's from the devil and you shouldn't see them, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. She was in the first floor of our hotel and um, I went last because I'm like, I don't want to talk to her, you know, mm-hmm. but when my girlfriends both came out, they, their face, they were shook. Like she read them to a T. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, okay, let me go try, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I say this woman, and, and gosh, if you all are in Vegas, I want you to look her up. You can call her. When I say, she explains she's not a psychic. She calls herself an energist. Her name is Rowena. Um, you read her reviews. They are phenomenal. Phenomenal. When I tell you how this woman read my life, mm-hmm. I called her once again, maybe after that, but I'm afraid to call her um, <laughs> because she's so, she's so on point. Yes. So I sit down with her. And the first thing she said was, are you from California? And I said, no, Chicago. She said, I see a C. I said, Chicago. Mm -hmm. She said, huh, okay. She said, I want you to get a book. I said, what book is that? She said, it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. So here's what was odd about that. And I said, huh, okay. She's like, I think it'll help you. My mother, remember I mentioned I had started a small business um, with three guys that graduated with me at UIC. We had a marketing consulting company. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually did the first website for University Village for the shopping area there. Oh, okay. We did yeah. that. We did that first project. And then a lot of people, funny, we did Brown's Chicken. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't, aren't from A lot of people don't know Brown's Chicken is owned by the same people that own Portillo's. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. They're brothers. Interesting. The oldest brother owns Browns. The youngest owns Portillo's. Okay. So anyway, we, um, I was excited about that, whatever. I'm, I'm jumping everywhere. So she, my mom had given me that book six months before because mm-hmm. she felt it would help me in business. Mm-hmm. The book was sitting at home on my nightstand. I never opened it. Wow. Why did that woman suggest the exact same book that was sitting on my nightstand for six months? That's two, right? That's right. So yeah. then the next thing she says to me is, now remember I woke up this morning and I'm kind of freaking out inside, but I'm not, I told my two friends, but you get what I mean? Yeah. You can't see numbness. Right, yeah. So she says to me, she said, you're, you're dealing with a reoccurring health issue. Mm-hmm. That kind of freaked me out. I said, what? What did you say? Mm-hmm. She said, right now, you're dealing with a reoccurring. Reoccurring, why? Because it happened to me, right? Seven years ago, right? right? right. So I'm looking at her. And now she, now I'm a little irritated by her, you know, now I'm looking at her like, "Hmm," you know, and she's like, disregard how you feel about me. Just listen to what I'm saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh. And right after, and she told me a couple other things about the guy I was dating. I showed her a picture. She said, "Uh uh-uh, 
And he, you know, he was a professional, you know, he was like a regional director who traveled all the time, you know, and dating. I use that word loosely. Okay. And I showed her a picture and she said, I don't, I don't like him for you. I said, really? He's a really great guy. He's a single dad. She said, no, she said, you can have fun, but he'll hurt you. Mm. Again, about a year and a half later, that man got married. Mm. And this was his second marriage. Okay. But when I came home from Vegas, part of the reason, because she said she didn't like him for me, I called him and I told him he had to come get his stuff because I was just done. But because why, why wouldn't I believe this woman? Because when I got back home, the numbness had moved down again. So now I'm at home still never being diagnosed and I lost my phone in Vegas. So when I got home, I didn't have a phone to call, you know, my family. I couldn't even call him and tell him I was back. So I'm emailing everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm emailing them like something's wrong. I'm e- emailing my mom like, you know, I'm numb again. I don't know. Something's wrong. I email this guy. I'm like, hey, I'm back. But, you know, I just think you should come get your stuff from my place. He's like, wait, what? Wait, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, we got along, you know, and I'm like, no. And I tried to explain. And then I was like, here's the thing. Um, so fast forward, I drove to University of Chicago. I drove to the hospital myself in I Valley Park. Because mm-hmm. why would I want to go to the same hospital that didn't diagnose me the first time? Right. Yeah, I'm at the hospital and um, talk about bad bedside manner. I had a student doctor, whatever you call them. I don't know. Um, they were still students. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet the actual neurologist yet at that point. I'm describing what happened to me in Vegas this time or whatever. And she just with nothing, like nothing. She just says, oh, it's just a mess. And by that time, uh, my mom had gotten there from the suburbs and she doesn't drive on the expressway so it took about an hour okay (laughs) and she's sitting there and you know I had been looking up all different stuff after that happened but I still didn't know what that was but it sounded serious and the way she said it so casually you know um and knowing I hadn't met the head doctor yet you know and at this point they hadn't even run tests on me and I remember looking over at my mom and my mom looked at me, she could tell I was about to freak out, you know, and she's like, relax, you know, and I think I just started crying. I just, you know, and the girl, she said it and left. She said it and walked off. And I'm thinking, do you not learn bedside manner? Do you guys not run tests? You know, no, no. oh, oh, it's probably just, a me- you're, you don't even know yet, but you're telling me something that can potentially be life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. And they finally ran the test and that's exactly what it was. So the first thing I could think about is this woman who just gave me all that info, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, scary, powerful. Mm-hmm. How do you process somebody telling you your life is going to now be completely different? How do you, you don't even know what that means. Yeah. And so as far as the guy that she didn't think was good for me, like I said, I couldn't verbally say it. I couldn't type it. Mm-hmm. So, um, he thought I was lying because I, you know, who loses who loses their phone in Vegas? I really lost my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm like, I'm in the hospital, I'm sick, and he's kind of like cursing and kind of flipping out, like, you know, I'm trying to help you and support you, but you're not letting me in. I wish people understood. Sometimes you have to give people a moment. Right. I didn't know how to say this. They told me this yesterday. You know what I'm mean? what was I gonna say, Gina? Right. Yeah. I have, I have, I, I, I couldn't say that. All I could do is cry, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, there was one other thing she told me 
right before I left, I, um, I actually, I lost my job at the art Institute mm -hmm. because I was sending students across the street to Harold Washington to take their genets for cheaper. Why oh. wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? You're not supposed to make the institution lose money, Candace. I get who pays me, but you know what I realized? I realized I've been to college and I realized how pricey it was. And yeah. I realized there was a ridiculous ticket they were charging. A culinary degree cost $84,000. Most of those students will never start off making more than 10 to $12 an hour. Right. I have a humane, I have a humane side. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm understanding. And I would have parents that would say, um, maybe an interior decorating, decor, decorating student, all A's in high school. And the father said, Candace, we sold two dogs. We've taken out a, a, a second mortgage on our home. Is there no other funding? And they offered this young lady maybe a $4,000 scholarship that had a 4.0 for her entire high school. I, I didn't feel right. I didn't feel good about the job. You know what I mean? I felt like an aggressive salesperson. That's where that marketing comes in, right? Yeah. And what Rowena saw, this was her third big thing. She said, don't worry about that company. She said, they're not doing well. She said, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, don't feel bad. She said, you did your job. You did your job well. She said, just wait. Three months later, um, Huffington Post and on the news, they posted that the art institutes were being sued by the federal government for all of their financial aid money back mm -hmm. because they're owned by Goldman Sachs mm -hmm. and people don't know that's why you have aggressive recruiting. Yeah. So, and now, you know, that campus is no longer there. Right. And that entire, that entire umbrella shut down. Yeah. She saw that. How did this, how did this woman see this? She said, don't worry, they're not. And like, I'm watching the news one day. So talk about being freaked out. Tell yeah. me she's not, and she'll tell you this. She's not a psychic. She's an energist. We're able to change our energy at any time. She's just reading what you're giving off, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and she said, please disregard how you feel about me. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you missed the message because you're looking for other things. Mm -hmm. And when I came out from talking to her, I told my other two girlfriends, they're like, how did it go? I'm like, I don't know. Okay. But I said, but you know, I just didn't like her braces. And they said, what? I said, I didn't like how her mouth, when she talked, she talked like critical. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then both of them said she had braces. So notice what she said was you pay attention to the wrong things. You're missing the message, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the Vegas story. Came back, got diagnosed, and then started my road with Jimi Hendrix and every other vitamin, pill, anything you name. So let me ask you, because uh, I feel like we're probably going to have to do a part two. Right, because I, I, I go long. <laughs> It's I'm a okay. talker. I'm a talker. It's okay. Um, what I want to know is, um, I guess, because we, we, we will need to do a part two, because we haven't even gotten into, um, you know, your day-to-day -day life after being diagnosed. And I think that's something that's very important that we need to talk about. Um, but what I want to know is, um, cause as you shared your story, 
you had essentially seven years of not knowing yes. what your true diagnosis was. What in hindsight, you know, sure. thinking about what would you have done differently and what would you um, share with the, with the audience? Because, you know, we talk about how, um, we talk about the mortality rate of, of black women, particularly when they're giving birth, you know, um, just all different aspects where oftentimes our illnesses or whatever, um, ailments that we are experiencing may not be taken seriously by medical professionals, particularly if they don't look like us. Absolutely. Um, which some people kind of question me as to, well, why do all of your doctors have to be black? Because I'm black. And, <laughs> okay. You know, and that's just me. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody's different, but every single one of my doctors, including my dentist and orthodontist, oral surgeons, sure. everybody's black. Because okay. for me, I feel like they're going to listen to me. I mean, I've had experiences with other doctors of other nationalities, but I want someone who's going to listen to me and pay attention to what I'm telling them and take what I'm saying seriously. So I guess my question is, what would you, um, and thinking back to this experience as to how you went to one hospital and you were not properly diagnosed and they just said, I don't know, it's stress. And they then you go to Chicago what would you have done differently and what would you advise someone who is experiencing some health issues they don't know what's going on what should they do when they go so, to a medical professional that's a great question um what i learned is a lot of us when we normally go to the doctor for regular appointments we kind of show up waiting for them to tell us things like they're psychics or like they can guess what's going on in your body and I've learned the most important thing is go in there with a list of your questions. Okay. Um, because when you're there, you're going to forget. You're not going to remember what was bothering you last week. Really take your doctor's appointment serious and um, write down concerns you have or, you know, things like that. I would, I would definitely start there. Um, for me, my doctors are not all. African-American, but I see why you feel the way you do, because there are certain things that I feel like younger, um, you know, uh, feminine, uh, female mm-hmm. things that uh, would have been picked up if I maybe had a younger, mm-hmm. and I, this isn't discriminating as age, but uh, the doctor I had at the end of high school was an older gentleman, an older, um, older Caucasian man who you know, he kind of misdiagnosed me. Um, I have PCOS and he called it something else. And I didn't re- realize that's what it was until recently, um, some years ago, mm-hmm. before I had my daughter. Um, and he was about to retire, mm-hmm. you know. But for therapy, it was extremely important for me to find an African-American female therapist. That was critical for me because I, I needed someone that could relate to some things I experienced and, uh, and not even relate, but just understand parts of maybe where some of those feelings that I was battling, where they were coming from. 
Oh, you know, yeah. And my uh, mm-hmm. and my neurologist, I have been very loyal to him um, because one, he diagnosed me when the others didn't. Right. And then two, um, he's actually he's Indian. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I look for in medical professionals, he did something that, and I'm not going to say his name because it was so kind and compassionate. But I don't like I don't want to any trouble. Right. 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 Um, remember I, so I know I didn't have insurance anymore when I came back and that happened cause I had lost that job. Right. And, um, he died and he died when he diagnosed me, he allowed me for a few appointments, one or two to still be able to come see him. Mm-hmm. You know, he still booked the, he had the, uh, his admin still booked the appointment. They just booked it off the book. Mm-hmm. So that I could still come in and discuss what had changed with me, whatever you get what I mean. Right. He signed me up for um, the drug therapy on like a patient patient assistance copay program. Mm-hmm. Please know that those every drug company has those. So if you are in a financial situation and you're worried that you can't pay for it, these drug companies make so much money. It you know it can be free to you. You don't have to worry about stuff like that. But um. Once he showed me he was willing to still see me, I knew that his he was not a he wasn't a, a physician, he wasn't a neurologist because of money. Right. I knew he really cared about people. Yeah. And so when people say, Well, how come you haven't gotten a second opinion? How come you haven't gone here or there? Um, MRIs, you get these things, you know what I mean? So MS, there are lesions on my brain and on my spine. Mm-hmm. That's a, a part that disrupts those signals, you know. Mm-hmm. But when someone takes the time, that's, that's essentially him risking his job, seeing a patient, you know, right. and if somebody does that for you, that's a, that's a very compassionate person. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can find a better doc, you know, right. Absolutely. and, and yeah. so questions, write your questions down, know your concerns. And the biggest thing I've learned about in this, and I don't know about other illnesses, um, I can't reverse any damage once it's done, mm-hmm. but you can, you can offset it. You can catch it. Mm-hmm. So when you feel something going on in your body, and a lot of times we say, well, you know, I'll wait, I'll see, mm-hmm. I'll whatever. And I had to get programmed to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And my neurologist helped me realize once you lose it, it's gone. Yeah. It doesn't come back with MS when you lose certain things and some things do come back, but first, but you don't know it's a crapshoot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Every, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going to, so offset it. And the only way they can offset, uh, flares is by, uh, therapy, steroids, Mm -hmm. steroids, it stops, it kind of, it can catch it. It can stop the inflammation. It can change certain things. So you want to get in there as soon as you can. You know, that's what I would suggest. Anything. It, It doesn't have to be MS, any health issue that you're facing. If you're having uh, migraines consistently, it could be for something else, something deeper, your blood pressure, it could be anything. Do not put it off. Do not wait because calling right away can, can make the difference in saving your own life from something that's more serious. Vows are very important and great um, tips to give because I think I can say, um, even for myself and people I know, you know, when we have different ailments or something's just not right, 
we'll either try and doctor on ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, you know, and we'll talk about it amongst each other and say, you know, has this happened? Mm-hmm. And then we're kind of slow to go to the doctor or like we're afraid. Yeah. Or you're putting everybody else first and you say you just don't have time. So it is very important to make the time. And use your insurance. People, people don't realize how gold insurance is until you get sick and you don't have it. Yeah. So a lot of times we were, you're paying for this, you know what I mean? And start using your benefits from your insurance, you know, Mm -hmm. um, go to the chiropractor every week. Even if you don't need an alignment, get a massage. You're paying for it. And, and please know the chiropractor will glad, gladly write you a script for that. You know, um, utilize these things you have because invest in yourself. Right. You're already giving them, giving the expense. You're paying for it. You know, um, the saying health is wealth is the realest thing in life and a lot of people you won't realize it until if you wake up one day and you don't expect to be sick and now you're sick and you're gonna oh my god what are you gonna do that's when the panic comes you know yeah so here's what I want you to do you've gotta make a commitment right here okay today you know my memory's bad you know my memory's trash okay so I'll write it I'm gonna put it in my phone but you're probably gonna have to I, you know, I'm going to call you. Okay. Okay. We have to schedule another date sure. um, for you to come because what I, the other piece that I want to talk about is of course, life with MS, because we for haven't sure. really gotten, you know, to how life is for you now. Into the meat and potatoes. Yes. So we've got to do a part two. Awesome. So, you you said yes, right? You just commit. yes. I, I would love to, and I and I even want to share with your guests. Um, we briefly talked about employment. I have been through an EEOC case related to my MS because there are things that you should know that will help you. That will help you protect yourself. No one else is going to take care of you. You've got to, you know. We don't anticipate these things ever happening, but maybe if something happens, you'll remember that day you heard that conversation. Right. This day. And, and that, that is the reason why I have this podcast because I want to make sure that I'm, you know, getting a message across to people because Absolutely. you never know what information people may find useful. And I get feedback from folks all the time whenever I have, you know, guests on saying that there was something that either resonated with them or something that they needed and was helpful. So that's my goal. Well, um, I'm so happy you asked me to be on here. Because anytime I can share about MS, you know, I love to just because there's so much I wish I knew, you know, there's so many things I would have maybe done differently. It's just so much that you don't know. And uh, there's a lot of us out here. So, you know, everybody's dealing with something, but um, most importantly, don't feel like you're dealing with it alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Life can be depressing, but tomorrow's always a brighter day. Um, know that just know tomorrow can be a brighter day. Stay encouraged, stay positive. Um, how you feel about yourself and think about yourself affects your body. And it's so important and never forget that, you know, that's a great, uh, place to put a pin in it. So we are gonna, um, wrap it up for today, but 
we'll make sure that we'll get back together so that we can share some more information with you. Thank you so much, Candice, for being willing to um, share your um, personal journey with no with me and with the audience. I really appreciate you for being Absolutely. with us. And I, and I can't wait for you to come back. So um, everyone, continue to enjoy your week. And as I always tell you, make sure that you continue to light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Transcripts and recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.